0: Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Sharman Pittman has part one of the new series, Close Encounters, with a message titled, He Used What? Listen, I'm so excited to be here this morning. Um, Before I I even get started, I want to say this. It's kind of funny. I'm really excited. I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. Because anytime I get ready to have to speak, the enemy start going crazy in my life. Random stuff start happening that shifts my focus, that try to grabs my attention, and I'm like, all right, God, listen, you know I wanted some quiet time, I just wanted some quiet time. Nope, this happens, nope, this happened, nope, this. And I've had to learn to find peace in the chaos, because I don't take this lightly, being before you, because I look at this as an opportunity to save somebody's life that's on the edge. I look at this as an opportunity to speak life into someone that is in a desert season, that, has, that feels lost, that feels forgotten about. That is what I look forward to being here before you on this stage. So with that being said, I'm ready to get into the Word. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right. So we are kicking off a brand new series called Close Encounters, okay? And he's like, okay, what does that mean, Close Encounters? As Park says, we're going to be looking at, for the next couple of weeks, of what happens when people came in contact with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What kind of impact did it have in their lives? What did it change? How did, how did this, the, these stories in these particular situations begin to unfold, okay? So I'm going to be starting off with the first miracle recorded that Jesus performed. And that is in John chapter 2. So my title will be, he used what? Like, he used what? Like, what? Say what? Say what? what? Say what? what? All right. <laughs> in the text, I'm going to pray. Before I, we get into the text, I'm going to pray. All right, y'all ready to pray with me? Yeah. All right, let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I ask that I decrease, that you may increase, Father. I ask that you give me the right words to say, Father. I ask that the Spirit moves within me that I may be able to speak a word that is valuable enough to your people that it will go into their lives and change their world, Lord. That you would use me as a vessel to pour out what you have put in me, Father. So that it is only you who is able to keep me from falling. So, Father, I'm depending solely on you as these words come out of my mouth. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all ready? All right. John chapter 2. Now, this is the first miracle Jesus performs. Now, as I was looking through and we were looking at different situations, this one stood out to me because I thought about it and I'm like, your first miracle being performed at a wedding turning water into wine. What does that have to do with anything? Like why would you, like why would that be the first one? Why would that be something that you went out of your way to go to an event and do something like that that not even everybody knew? Because only the servants knew. The rest of the, the, rest of the, the people at the wedding, they had no clue what had happened. They just thought that hey, some wine came from somewhere so we can keep partying. <laughs> so they didn't know but the servants did. So as as I begin to look at this text, I said, there's got to be something deeper in this. So I'm going to share with you today what I believe God gave me and opened my eyes to see. So Jesus is on the scene. This is his first miracle. We have had no previous record since he was about the age of 12 or 13. We don't hear anything else from him. Now, all of a sudden we see him. Okay, so he comes to this wedding, uh, to give you a little context, he had to be, re- he was related to these particular people, and you can see that in the concern that his mother showed, because his mother was there, and he was also invited. And we're going to start off with verse three, okay? Y'all ready? Y'all got your Bibles? You got your apps? All right, y'all ready? Okay, let's go. The wine supply, it picks up verse three, says, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Now, I'm gonna pause right there. Leave that up there on the screen. Um, If I was to tell my mama that, don't do it, doc. That wouldn't fare well for me. So when I was reading that, like, you know, sometimes we can be deep, but that's I'm like, Jesus, you was disrespectful. Like, why would you talk to your mama like that? But as I began to kind of study a little bit more, the context in which he said it in was actually would have been showing her the the greatest respect. But I wish I would have known that as a kid, because I would have been like, dear woman, (laughs) do not involve me with folding clothes. My time has not come yet. I want to go back to sleep. (laughs) And then we, then in verse five, as it continues, he says, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. So Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the wine that was, I'm sorry, the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Now, we're going to actually, I'm going to go back and, and, and take apart three particular verses that I believe that are packed with some, some deeper, uh, I guess you could say jewels and nuggets that we can pull from. But I want to ask you guys this question. Have you ever been in a situation, and I want you to, this is where, I want some crowd participation. Can y'all, y'all can help me out with that? Cool, cool. Because I come down there if I, if I have to. Don't tempt me, all right? Matter of fact. You can believe my words, huh? So, have you ever been in a situation where you ran out of something? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Okay. And you running out of something. Did you panic? Did you, did you lean on your own understanding? Just throw some stuff out. Did you lean on your own understanding? Did you run to God? Did you say, hey, Jesus, help me? Or were you more like, I got to figure out how I'm going to do this? Which one? Jesus or yourself? I I, I agree. That's normally all of our responses. And so given that context, I began to think to myself and I said, well, Lord, in the moments which I have been in this situation, what did I do? Jesus' mother, after he responded, dear woman, why do you involve me in this? My time has not come yet. She does not take what he said and say, oh, well, y'all out of luck. Ain't no more wine. It's a wedding. Go home. She doesn't say that. She looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. There's some faith involved there. (laughs) Because she had enough sense to tell, not herself, but somebody else, do whatever he tells you. Because she knew he's going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do, but do whatever he tells you. Now, as I'm watching this, I'm looking at the servants, I'm like, the servants probably were like, first of all, who are you, woman? (laughs) Who is your son? Because we don't know him. He only got a small crew of people following him. So it ain't like he had a whole following at this point. He had some of the the disciples that were already following him. So it's not like Jesus stepped into the room. They're like, oh, that's the son of God. (laughs) They just like, "Uh, and? So I'm like, okay, Lord. What what, what are you showing me? What are you showing me? So, let me rewind a little bit. So, I asked myself the question. I said, when I have been, there have been times when I've been running on E, when I'm in a space of running out. Now, the wine was a representation for joy, exuberation, life, excitement, and all of these things that everybody believes I have all the time, which I don't. Okay? And when I don't, it's kind of like, what is going on with him? Is he okay? Okay? Why is he quiet? Like, what what is going on? And in those moments, I found myself trying to draw within, trying to pull something that I do not have. I found myself trying to dig deep, and it's like, there's nothing there. There's There's an empty well. And there's nothing that you can do to bring yourself back to where you need to be. So as I began to look at this story, I said, okay, John, you're trying to show me something. You're trying to teach me something right now. Because in these vessels running empty and Jesus saying, bring me these jars, these vessels, and I'm going to fill them up. I'm not just going to fill them up halfway, but fill them to the brim." Because in Christ, he wants to give us exceedingly and abundantly more than we can dare ask or think. He doesn't want us to just get by with just enough. Now, your definition of just enough or having a lot may be different now, because you may look at it, most of us think about what? When we say, I want to have more than enough, we think about what? Oh, that's, come on, somebody preached to me. We think about what? Okay. And somehow we're like, but wait, I follow Jesus, I'm obedient, why my bank account don't look like it? I tithe, I sow, I give, but I'm not walking in exceedingly and abundantly. Because you're focusing on the wrong thing. So as, I, as we begin to break down these verses, I want you to put yourself in the position as if you were in this wedding or this is a part, something important to you, whether it's a wedding, or it's a graduation party. Let me give it up for my high school graduation. Come on, come on. I am a, a, a youth leader, so I got a shameless plug. They not here. They coming to the 11th. It's okay. <laughs> they still got to wake up. So, (laughs) I want to go ahead. I want to propose this question, then we're going to unpack some scripture. How many empty pots do you have in your life? And what area of life have you set aside that you don't think God can use as a vehicle to bless someone else? Again, what areas in your life do you have that are empty pots? that because they're empty and they're drained, you don't think God can use it as a vehicle to bless someone else. Verse seven, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Now, throughout the scriptures, water is used as a form of symbolism to represent renewal, baptism. Uh, the water is just, it's the Holy Spirit. It's used to make a statement of kind of who, who, who Jesus is, okay? So when Jesus tells him to fill it up, he's taking clay jars that were not used for drinking, Okay? My first thought was, Jesus, why didn't you just get the empty wine vessels that was already used? Why did you ask for a different set of vessels? Because the vessels that he chose to use were designed for ceremonial cleansing. The Jewish customs, when you would be coming to an event, before you entered into the home, you would have used these pots to actually cleanse yourself, whether it's wash your hands, get dirt off your sandals, all that good stuff. So, Observation number one, why are you using something people use using to wash off with? To bring something great forth. Don't you think he should have like poured out like some, this marble or granite like jar? And it's like because the, because the best is going to come from it, it got to look a certain way. Wouldn't y'all think that? Like yeah, the, the, the best thing is coming from it, so we got to pretty this thing up. This got to look a certain way. But he says, no, bring me the empty jars that are sitting over there, which is an indication they shouldn't have been empty in the first place. Why were they empty? It was designed to hold water. (laughs) So why are they empty? Now, if you look at yourself in that same vein, and and I ask you the question, how many pots do you have in your life? That you've set aside because they are empty, you don't think God can use? Because they weren't designed to be empty; they were designed to be filled. Now, something that I learned as, as, as verse seven, at, at, right? I'm sorry, before verse seven, verse six. But we'll back up a little bit. When it says standing nearby were six stone jars used for Jewish ceremony cleansing, each could hold twenty to thirty gallons. Again, why were they empty? Because this would have been something that people needed to use in order to cleanse themselves. Or something to come forth that needed Jesus, the design for it was to cleanse, had a purpose. So if we think about this and we begin to continue to track through this, 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 this story, and we look at what water represents, and then we turn and look at what wine represents there's something going on here behind the scenes. It's not just about water and wine and be merry. What Jesus is showing us is in the areas of life that we are empty or running, running on E, we have to do one thing first that requires our obedience, and that's to bring him something. That's good. She said, do what he tells you. Number one, obedience. So Once the servants look at him and says, okay, sir, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're capable of, but I'm going to follow you and go take these stones, jars, and fill them up with water. So they go fill them up with water. Then bring it back because it's a process. How many times do we find a way to fill ourselves up and we think we're full now? I got rejuvenated. I'm good now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm good. I'm back on it. And then you find yourself back on E. Because you're filling yourself up with something that will always run out. Yeah. Now, in that process, though, he says, fill it to the brim, then bring it back. And in that process, Jesus, took the water, we don't know. Now, theologians can argue. Uh, one A pastor that you guys know uh, did a sermon, Bill Martin. Uh, He did a sermon title, Between the Dip and the Sip. (laughs) Somewhere between the dip and the sip, the water turned to wine. And we don't know, we really don't, but I put myself, when I put myself in this this context, I, I begin to think, hmm, did it turn into wine when the servants filled it up to the brim out of their obedience? Or did it turn into wine when they had the faith to follow this man that they did not know and said, hey, take this to the headmaster because he's about to make a toast. Now, if I'm a servant and you tell me to take something full of water to somebody that need wine, I would be like, hey, bro, you know this water. They need wine. You want me to take a jar of water over here? But he had they, the servants had enough faith to say, "Okay, I'm gonna do what you tell me to do." I don't know how how you gonna make the. I don't know where this is gonna lead me, because I'm quite sure something bad could have happened to them for bringing water in the middle of a toast at a wedding. That is a very big event in the Jewish culture. It's like grand. This is the most important day you could have within this culture because everything is laid out for you, and you won't bring me a jar full of water. I'm just being practical and human because sometimes we think God is going to move in this miraculous, outstanding way. He's going to open up heaven in order for us to have a sign to go forth and do what he called us to do. But it don't happen that way. He just says, take this little thing of water or something simple and then go do what I told you to do with it and watch what I do. That's how he works in our lives. So I'm going to pivot a little bit and I'm going to shift to Asking you to put yourself as the vessel that he used. Now, in running on E, everybody can relate to that. Everybody has dealt with a period or still may be in that period where you are running on E. Still may be running on E. Just left a pandemic, things are still going. Some are going good for great. Well, excuse me. Some things are going great for some people and certain things are still kind of like, hey, I'm waiting to get out of this because I don't know what's around the corner. I'm confused, Lord. What are you doing? I'm trusting you, but nothing's changing. I'm putting my faith in this, but nothing's changing. So with this example of a vessel, I want to touch back on the fact of the type of vessel that he used. We have a tendency to think that God... Wants vessels to look and be a certain way before he uses them. That's how we think. I don't have it together. I'm not ready. I got cracks in me. I'm not ready. I'm still struggling with this. I'm not ready. So we say, you know what? I'm not even going to position myself at the party where Jesus can even see me. I'm going to hide I'm not even going to be in plain sight because I'm not ready. And that often stops us from being used by him because before we can be used by him, we have to be obedient enough to step forward. Now, if you're running on E, but you position yourself in the right place, you can be filled. God is less concerned about what the jar looks like or the vessel, as we are clay. He's less concerned about what the vessel looks like. He's more concerned with what's in the vessel. That's why he said, fill it up with water. Renew it. Walk with me real quick. Fill it up with water. I need to, bat, I need to purify this thing. This thing needs to go through a purification process. The outside of the jar never changed. It was, was on the inside. Then he said, bring it to me. At some point it turned into wine, which the wine represents his new covenant. At the last supper he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And this blood represents the new covenant. So you're telling me Jesus wants to fill me up to the brim. Not just that. He also wants to come into relationship with me. He wants to bring a covenant in with me to where I have a relationship that I can sup with him yeah. Amen. no matter what I look like. But how many of us feel like we have to look and be at a certain place before God can fill us up? How many of us decide not to even step forward in faith because we feel like I'm not ready. I can't do what he do. I'm tell you right now, I'm, I'm a broken vessel. I be leaking all the time. Sometimes people see it. Sometimes they don't. But the power doesn't rest in what Charmant can do. The power rests in what he can do in my obedience to release me and say, Father, you t- I'm just a vessel. <laughs> I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So if that's move to Rockford, I'm going to move to Rockford. Is that even in a season where I don't, may not like the way it looks, I'm still going to keep pressing. Come on. It's tough, it's hard, and what? Keep going. Come on. Ain't nobody got time to stop. I'm already pouring into you. That's okay. leak, That's fine. Because <laughs> by the time I get finished with you, you're going to be whole. But I'm not going to take you out of the situation. I'm not going to change the vessel. No. Because you need to understand that it ain't you in the first place. Amen. It's not you. It has nothing to do with you. You're just mud and dirt that I'm molding to bring something forth in. and the moment we begin to understand that all of us have that opportunity to have that encounter with Christ that changes our trajectory of how we view ourselves, but also how we view what he's put us here to do. We will begin to walk in the fullness of who he called us to be. That's right. But if we stand in a spot of God, I'm not ready. I, I'm empty, so you can't use me. I got to be full before you can <laughs> use me. He's busy saying, no, I want that jar in the back that ain't been used in years. Great, bro. He didn't say, no, bring me the vessels that they're using and it's in the front that everybody is enjoying the wine from. No, he didn't say give me that. He said, that's cool. It served its purpose. Give me that back there. Yeah. You to think that you're not important. You to think that you still got these issues and you still trying to hide them when... Exposure brings forth growth. But because you still hide and you lay dormant, and when something is not, when, when, when anything is not, that not, has not had proper exposure, it is bound to die and rotten. And a lot of us are walking around with stale water. No good to anybody, no use for anybody. When God is saying, I need to pour into you, I need to fill you up. So the close encounter that you had with me, you can then show somebody else who I am. So, as I was preparing for this message, I read this quote. As with water to wine, so the Lord can turn any darkness into light, any brokenness into something beautiful, and any sin into an occasion of grace. God will turn our mess into ministry. He will turn our brokenness into wholeness. Amen. He will turn death into life. But we have to provide him with something. If we don't step out and provide him with the vessel, number one, we can never not only have a close encounter with him, but we will never be able to walk in the fullness of who we are. Amen. That's why I believe this was the first miracle. Because it sets the tone that you got to present him with something in order for us to be used by him. And that's the good, the bad, the bad, the ugly, the part of yourself you don't like, the part that gets on your nerves and everybody else's nerve. That's even that too. He said, bring it to me. Come on, because I can do something with it. And if you allow me to take what you think is messed up, I will remind you what 2 Corinthians chapter, verse 4, verse 7 says. But we have this treasure. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our power is from God, not from ourselves. I stand before you here today resting in that. Because the power, it ain't in me. Some days, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Some days, I'm like, all right, God. <laughs> I see what you're doing, but uh, it ain't how I need it to be. It ain't how I wanted to be. But I still trust you. I present my body as a living sacrifice. And I encourage you today to do the same. So I wanna ask you this question. If you've been in a place in your life where you feel like, hey God, I'm waiting on you to get me here before I say yes. Or I'm waiting for things to look like this before I I, I give you my full yes. I want you to make a bold statement today. I want you to come down to the altar and I'm going to pray and then they're going to sing a song. And the lyrics, I love this song. Lyrics, part of the lyrics says this, I came here with nothing. But all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. It's not about what you came here with. But I can assure you this. If you take a step and you allow him to fill you up, I guarantee you you'll leave it way more than what you came here with. And not only will you leave here full to the brim, but you'll also be transformed and you'll be able to bless someone else's life. And from your vessel will flow life, will flow peace, will flow Prosperity will flow all of these things that we don't feel like we have a connection to. Because last time I checked, he said, I come to give you exceedingly and abundantly more than you can dare ask or think of. I'm ready for my brothers and sisters to start walking in that. I'm ready for us to start walking in the abundance of who God is. Not with just enough of who God is. Not with just getting by. But I'm going to tell you this, it starts with obedience. A lot of us can't see it because we like the children of Israel. They wandered in the desert longer than they were supposed to because of disobedience. So God just gave them enough because he was trying to show in your disobedience, I can't give you the fullness. (laughs) You got to present yourself fully to me. And once you do that, that's when I can do what I want to do in your life. And that's to make you overflow. That's to make you the head and not the tail. (laughs) So, if that's you, we'll give you a few seconds to walk down. If not, that's fine, because I'm still going to pray for you. And they're going to sing this song. And in them singing this song, don't just look at it as a time of worship. Look at it it as a time of you crying out to God, making a petition to him saying, God, I need something new. I need you to fill me up. Don't look at these lyrics on the screen like they just lyrics. This is a declaration that I can't do it without you, God. It ain't going to work without you, Lord. That's why we come up here and do what we do. That's why we lose sleep. That's why this man moves all the way from Colorado back somewhere else where he could have been comfortable. That's why you see people popping in from like, where are y'all from? Where y'all coming from? Every time I turn around to somebody new. Because people are tired of walking in the mundane of who God is. We want to walk in the fullness and the power of who God is. Let's pray, y'all. Dear Heavenly Father. We come to you right now, Father, and we ask, Lord, that although we may be broken, although we may not even be well put together, Lord, although we still may be cracked, although we still may be dirty, Father, we want to present what we have to you, Lord. Because you take the most messed up things, Father, and you do something great in them. And Father, We're tired of just getting by with just enough, Father. Fill us up to the brim, Lord, that we may be able to not just put on a show outside, but, Father, when we're at home on the inside, Father, all we can do is just overflow. Because we're resting in who you are, Father. You love us enough that even though we're broken, even though we still mess up, even though we don't have it all together, you still say, I still use you. Because it's not you, it's me. And when you rest in knowing it is me, I am your source, not you, not this world. You can fully walk in what I've called you to be. So, Lord, as the hearts that have come here, even in the, heart, the hearts that are still seated, Father, I ask that you fill them to the brim. Let them feel that, Father. Let them feel that, overtake them. And, Father, I ask that you transform it into wine, Father, your covenant, your love, your grace, and your mercy that we may be able to pour out. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Charmon Pittman with part one of the Close Encounter series. You can watch the online version of this message by going to youtube.com slash Forest City Church. Thanks for listening.